to this week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing Coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Car- Not going live. Come on. We are live. Yeah, it says go live on mine. It doesn't. Does it say? If our audience is there, mine says. Oh, you've got real people there. That's cool. Sorry, I thought in mine it's not saying that I'm live at all. Hmm. Very curious. Not to not to worry. Hey, welcome everybody to Faster Masters Rowing Radio. It's Rebecca Caro and Marlene Royal. And today we are going to be talking about erg racing and to give you our top checklist that you need to prepare yourself if you're going to be doing any of the many real in-person and virtual erg races that are coming up through February and March. As ever, I'm Rebecca Caro and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our Faster Masters audience. It's lovely to be back together again. Now, personally, I'm not one to choose erg racing unless I absolutely have to. Having said that, <laughs> I did do the virtual erg league that was run out of the US uh, for the last two years. So I'm clearly persuadable. But I recognize that there are quite a lot of people who are choosing to do this as a great focus for their training over the past three or four months. And of course, you know, the Crash Bees is absolutely massive, always has been. If you didn't know, it stands for the Charles River All-Star Has-Beens, which most people don't know. They just think it's a great name for a, I don't know, a crazy erg competition. Um, and of course, we've got the World Rowing Indoor Championships, which are in Canada this year. Yeah, the, the 25th of February. And this week, by the way, is the virtual head of the Charles. The, it's right. the head of the, the 4702 challenge. Exactly. Can you actually program an ERG to 4702 or have they rounded it down to 4700? I'm sure they've rounded it. I've never seen two as a digit. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I'm <laughs> going to be honest. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> exactly. Now, let's dive straight into the core of the topic. Preparation for erg racing. And here we're not talking about your training program. We are talking about the organization that sits behind everything that is going to get you to the start line. And people who are regular listeners may remember that we've done this in the past with preparation for on-water racing. And um, we have an answer. The answer is yes, you can. 4702. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This is great. It's, this is why the community is here, because they know more than we do. <laughs> Marlene, kick us off. What are the core things that we need to start running through? Do you have a like an actual checklist that you look at for? So we'll, we'll do the checklist a little later. Yeah, let's, let's talk first about the prep in the weeks before your race event. Well, I, I think if you're, uh, first of all, think about, if you're thinking about the week before your event, let, let's start there. Um, you know, you're going to be tapering a bit. So you're going to be, maybe training with the same frequency, but, but you're going to de be decreasing 
um, the amount of time that you're training just to basically, you know, that week before your race should be a recovery week. So I would really emphasize get enough sleep, get rested, eat really well. Um, you know, just really think about recovery and restoration because going into your race, if you're fatigued, it's going to be really hard to perform your best. And if you're fatigued, it's really hard to push through that tough third quarter of the race, you know? So, so in order for that mental toughness, you, you have to be focused and, and that means you have to be rested. So put a really big emphasis on rest, hydration, good diet, you know, take good care of yourself and, um, you know, and, and get yourself organized for your trip. You know, even if you're just driving to the other side of the town, but you also might be flying to another state or province to, to come in and compete. So, you know, start writing down what you need, start knowing, you know, what you need to take with you when we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but, you know, make sure that you, I think, give yourself enough time to do things. You know, if, if you're feeling rushed or you don't have enough travel time or you're really up against the clock, that's just going to raise the stress level. So, you know, keep the stress level down. Give yourself a little extra time to rest and relax. And I, I think if you're, you know, some people in the U.S. travel to a different time zone to go to crash bees, mm -hmm. you know. And so if you can give yourself an extra day just to Arrive. chill out and recover. I mean, I don't consider travel days rest days. Travel days can be quite stressful these days. So, you know, if you have a travel day and you if you can afford the time to be at your race town or site a day before and just chill out and get some rest, I think that that's ideal. But, um, you know, I think like about... To, yeah, I like to encourage everyone to always do your race warm-up for every single workout that you can, as early as you can, you know, even, you know, starting off. So you get really, really familiar with it. The purpose for me of that is that it calms you down because you're in a routine, in a ritual that you really know really well. And you know, you know, a lot of us will count strokes or you know you've got a minute to do this and then you have to count a 20 to do that or whatever it is you do in your warm up. It makes your mind really zone in on one thing. Right, I'm doing this for one minute. And then after that minute, I'm doing the next thing. So your mind doesn't race off and do other things. And it really helps you to focus and zone in to give yourself the right attention to your body and to your warm-up. It also allows you to test whether the warm-up was sufficient for the workout. Yeah. And that might give you some good information and feedback about whether you need to change your warm up so that, you know, you really are warmed up when it comes to the race. Yes, I, I, I think so. And I totally agree with that because you your warm up and like you said, your routine means you don't have to think about it. You know what to do next. And it's it's a signal to your body like, OK, well, we're getting ready to do something. And, and you go through you go through your warm up and a very common mistake on race day is people cut their warm up short. And, huh. and I would really advise not to do that because you're, you're going to work this out in practice. You know what you need to be ready. You don't want the first 
part of your race to be your warm-up. So I, I think making that a really, really key part of your practice is, is very important. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it'll calm you down. You know what's next. And then you know exactly how long it takes you. So you know how long you need to be, you know, when you need to get to the venue, when you need to do things, and how long you need to warm up before you're actually going to start. Any other things you can think of, Marlene? Um, I think, you know, honestly, I think just having a, a very simple routine for your workouts. Like, for example, you, you, pack, you pack your bag the night before. Um, you, you, you put out what clothes you're going to wear. You make sure you've got your, you know, your water bottle goes in this pocket. You know, your snack goes in this pocket. Um, you have some dry clothes in case you need it. They go in your bag. I would just, honestly, I would try to do that for every single practice. Just have your, have your bag always be the same so that, you know, you know, if your water bottle's not there, something's missing and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and because it's really easy on race day to be nervous and to forget something. And then you get there and you're like, Oh my God, I don't have my water bottle. I can't believe this. And, you know, um, I also think being mindful and, you know, rather than taking your clothes and just shoving them in your bag, I think if you take the moment to fold your jacket and fold your shirt and put it in your bag in a neat fashion, again, it just makes you pay attention to what you're doing. And that becomes very important in a race because you can only row the stroke you're rowing. You can't row the stroke you rode and you can't row the next stroke. So just that you know, anything that kind of grounds you like that, it's very simple, but just folding your clothes and putting them nicely in your bag activates, you know, that mindfulness. I like the idea of that. And I, I like the idea of, I, I always put my clothes out the night before, partly because it's really hard to get dressed in the dark. And because I have in recent weeks remembered everything for my workout and then I've gotten into the shower and one time I forgot my towel and another time I forgot my work shoes it's like uh -huh. that was so much embarrassing going around all day you know wearing my flip-flops which was hilarious <laughs> but luckily it's summertime so kind of nobody actually probably thought it was slightly strange so definitely packing everything the night before is really helpful any last bits Marlene don't laugh at me I'm going to diverge, but can I tell you a really stupid story? <laughs> One day, I, I, this is when I rode in university, and I, I lived in, in Boston, and I lived only a couple blocks from the boathouse. And I was in my, my rowing clothes, and I went downstairs. I, had, I lived on the second floor, and I went downstairs to the porch in my bare feet, to, in my, still in my rowing clothes, to check the mail. And when I went to check the mail, the wind slammed the door shut <laughs> and nobody was home. So there I was in my rowing clothes, in my bare feet, and I had to go to work. And I worked at this at Tuscanini's ice cream parlor, which oh, yeah. anyone who lives in Boston knows it's a very, very famous, um, very famous ice cream parlor that um, used to hire only rowers, right? And I worked there right from the very beginning for many, many years. <laughs> so I had to walk from my house all the way like no say a kilometer to the ice because I had to go to work. I had to walk in my bare feet in my rowing clothes all the way, go to work, get there, 
borrow clothes from people's sweatshirts. Somebody you didn't have a uniform. Shoes and, <laughs> and something. And I had to spend all day working in like somebody else's shoes with a Tuscanini sweatshirt on and wait till somebody came home. It could, you know, we didn't have cell phones in those days, right? So mm -hmm. I had to wait till somebody came home so I could get back in the house. <laughs> I regret to say that I have the exact same story, except when I was at university in my first year, the bathroom was on the ground floor and I was on the first floor, which is the second floor for Americans. And I had a, a latch on my bedroom and I didn't put the catch down, the snib properly. Went down to shower and came back, couldn't get into my room. So I had to walk in my towel across the court <laughs> to the porter's lodge to ask if they had a spare key to my room. <laughs> Given that it was the first time they'd had women in the college, they were probably like... <laughs> I know that was just so thinking of your pre-race routine you know I was just Don't thinking of like like stupid things can happen right and so you just who thinks that the door is going to slam shut when I'm checking the mail in the mailbox right so anyway but you know having the routine knowing where your stuff is have you know just have have a backup plan you know <laughs> yes exactly hide the key somewhere which is another story which I'm not going to tell right now now our sponsor today is the erg webinar so this is a pre-recorded webinar which faster masters did last year just before the crash bees with a stellar cohort of really experienced erg racers when you buy the webinar you can just dive straight in and start watching it features graham benton the erg daddy as he calls himself multiple british world and uh, british record holder it features Pat Hamner, who was lightweight, who talks about dieting and what he did in order to prepare for his, um, I think, record-breaking erg. And then two sisters-in-law, um, the uh, Megan and uh, Falcone and her sister-in-law, whose name I've completely forgotten, but I'll think of in a minute, Jordan, that's right, um, who are have come to erging through CrossFit. And they have just brilliant insights of what you can do and what you need to do. If you want to get this, go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash register forward slash erg hyphen racing. Or just go to the our programs page. You will see it there. Now back to the erg racing checklist that Marlene promised you. So this is get your pens out, people. This is so worth having. And if you're watching this on the replay, the checklist will be in the show notes lower down. What's in it, Molly? Well, first of all, make sure that you have your racing suit, your racing shorts, or your racing tights. Okay, that you, you look much better racing on the erg when you have your, your uniform on. Make sure you've got a warm-up jacket and pants because... You might be in a venue, it might be really hot, but it also could be cold depending on what, you know, how big a, an area or what type of gymnasium or hall it might be in. Have a dry change of clothes for after your race, a towel. If you use a heart rate monitor, make sure you have your heart rate monitor. If you have your or fitness watch or something like that, make sure you have that on your water bottle, have food and snacks in your bag with you because you know, you, you need to make sure you, you stay well fueled. So depending how long you get, how, how early you get to the venue, you know, you may have a couple of hours. So you may need that snack, you know, getting closer to your race. Have your entry information. So it's important when you arrive at the venue 
that you have your entry confirmation so that and that you find out where the registration is so that you can pick up your number and have your hotel information so you know where to go and how to get from your hotel to the venue or from your house to the venue depending on on how far away it is but once you're at the venue uh, a couple of things like find out where's the information desk how do you check your registration or get your erg assignment they're going to tell you where the warm-up area is and where your assignment is for the actual competition find out right away where the restrooms are that can be quite important when you're in a strange location you don't want to be hunting around for bathrooms at the last minute and um you know get your details make sure you've got your details clear your starting time your erg assignment know who your referee or your coxswain is assigned to you and um you know plan your time accordingly to get to the warm-up area and warm up on the machines so you're allowed a coach with you for every erg race is that right i believe so i mean i, mean, I think it Honestly, it may vary from competition to competition. You may you may be able to have your own coxswain or coach mm. with you, but I believe that there are referees that are also assigned. Yo, to they are monitor. they watch. Yeah. yeah, they there's one per per erg, I believe, in most of the big competitions. Certainly, the the ones that are in a venue, rather obviously than the virtual ones. Yes, and I and I and once you come. Typically, once you are called to your competition erg and you you sit down on the erg, um, you know you're allowed to you're allowed to make your foot stretcher adjustments. I think into a adjust your drag, but after that, you're not allowed to touch the monitor. So the referee usually has to to set everything that needs to be set. So once you have your personal settings, um, you know then you you have to wait and just let the referee set the monitor up for the competition now a question about drag and you know set, setting your drag factor is something that is done in order to standardize erg tests are you allowed to set whatever you want for a competition as far as i know yes and what do you think is the difference between having a drag of say 110 versus 140 on a concept two because it's often said that, you know, 140 is the standard for heavyweight, openweight men, 130 or 25, I think, for openweight women. And 110 was always said to be for juniors and like 90 for very young kids. Um, but why? Well, probably, you know, different drags apply to different different strengths. But I think what what drag factor is optimal for you depends on how you like to row. Like some people like to row a little bit lower stroke rate with a bit more power. Some people prefer a, a little bit more erg turn, more turnover. So they're gonna prefer a slightly lighter feel to the erg um, because a lower drag makes it easier to pick up the flywheel and keep the flywheel spinning. The flywheel is not gonna slow down as much between each stroke. So you can be a bit lighter. Um, and I think that's something that individually, if you're racing, I think that that is something that you want to experiment with. And this is why you have to, you know, practice race pace pieces and practice, you know, you have to try to balance what, 
stroke rate works the best with which drag factor to give you the best score. And that I think that is that it's like rigging, you know, it's going to take you a little bit of experimentation. But yeah. if you wanted, but if you wanted to be super technical, um, I seem to remember, and I'm just recalling this, you know, off the top of my head, but when when uh, Rob Waddell was competing at Crash Bees some years ago, they spent a fair bit of time playing around with the drag factor on the machine hmm. to, to get the drag factor that gave him the same time on the drive as in the boat. So that oh. that's a, so that's another way to approach drag factor, which obviously, you know, you need somebody with a really good, you know, good way to time this, to figure this out. But, but, you know, at, you know, as we, we know, you know, rigging is, aimed rigging in the boat is aimed point you know 0 0.8 seconds blades in the water drive time and they were trying to match the drive time on the erg to match the drive time in the boat so that's, oh, that that's my good logic yeah and i know rob waddell trained all the time on a row perfect and then he switched to the concept just before the competition. And they had to make an extra long row perfect bar because the two meter bar was <laughs> too short for his very tall frame. But, you so know, what, yeah. Hmm. So, oh yeah, so good comment. I know for me, if the drag is too low, I don't pick up the tension on the handle as soon. Yeah, because it can be too light, right? It, and you're just spinning, you're spinning your wheels. Um, so again, and it depends, you know, how strong yeah. are you, how, how what, what stroke rate? I mean, obviously, you're not going to row 38 strokes a minute for 2K, right? But you don't want to row will. 22 either, right? So, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, diff different strokes for different folks. And again, you know, knowing how and where to push yourself and the things that work for you are really, really important. So know thyself as an athlete uh, is the mantra here. And going back to how we actually started this discussion, which is, your warm-up, every single practice, every workout, do the same warm-up. Is it working? Are you warmed up enough? Did you, you know, if you're doing short pieces maybe in this workout, did you do better on the second than the first? That's probably a sign that you weren't warmed mm -hmm. up enough for the first one. Or if you have extreme lactate acid pain in your muscles after the first one, you feel very out of breath. Again, chances are that it means that you didn't warm up enough so that you were ready to race and you just don't want to make a a mistake that's easily rectifiable um you know yes there will be things that you might view as mistakes but my counsel is just learn from them try and make as many of them as you can in practice so that you can learn from them and you don't make them on the on the race day right remember mike mike teddy always says it's only a mistake if you do it twice there's there's a there's a great mantra from a great coach and i'm i know he's famously a man of few words but i'll bet he's got a few stories <laughs> like you never locked yourself out of your house barefoot when there was no mail in the mailbox twice did you and i definitely didn't lock myself out of my bedroom twice <laughs> So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio. It's been lovely having you with us.
please tell your friends and leave a review if you are on iTunes. You're part of the Rowing Chat Podcast Network. Please tell your rowing friends about the show. And if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting FasterMastersRowing.com forward slash podcast.